the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 718 for March 15th, 2020. A ton of Apple leaks from the iOS 14 code, Verizon announces Yahoo Mobile, and how sensors could replace the buttons on your phone. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Your weekly podcast for the latest news, devices, and software in the mobile phone industry. More information can be found at thecellphonejunkie.com. First in the news this week, in what may be something that we see more and more of as the coronavirus continues to spread, Apple on Monday announced that in addition to offering many of its employees the ability to work from home this week, retail workers are getting unlimited sick leave if they experience COVID-19 symptoms. Apple retail workers are not required to submit a doctor's note for the time off. This means that if they're experiencing any of the symptoms, they can take the time off as they need without having to worry about running out of sick days or providing a note to management. Now, as of now, Apple retail stores are staying open during the coronavirus outbreak here in the States, although they have closed in various countries around the world, such as China and also Italy. Apple, however, is also implementing crowd control measures to reduce density, such as limiting Genius Bar openings and canceling many today at Apple sessions. Over the weekend, Tim Cook sent a memo to employees about the ongoing uh, coronavirus outbreak. He told workers at Apple offices in California, Seattle, South Korea, Japan, Italy, Germany, France, Switzerland, and the UK that they can work from home this week if their job allows it. Uh, Retail stores are staying open, and as Cook said, the situation is evolving quickly, and of course, could uh, Apple could still be end up closing some of its stores or at least dramatically reducing some of their hours. It's also possible that policies currently in place change on a daily or case-by-case basis. Well, it sure seems like we've got a lot of different events canceled and groups and gatherings and sporting events and now colleges and all kinds of things are, are doing this. But I, I suppose if we can keep people a little bit less in big groups, we can hopefully slow this down just a bit so we can have... Uh, hospital beds available for the people who need it because if it hits all at once it'll be uh, very 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 difficult to get medical care um, if it uh, hits you harder than uh, harder than kind of the normal symptoms if you're very healthy yeah and obviously there are there, there are a lot of things that I'm sure if you've been following this closely that you've seen have been you know good recommendations on things and uh, you know some of the, the the information that's out there today talks about it uh, being transmitted via droplets and not as an aerosol. Uh, which means that uh, you're, it's more important to be conscious about what you're touching and not letting people cough on you rather than worrying about, say, the air uh, around you. So if you're in a plane, which, by the way, you know, is planes generally have very clean air because uh, it goes through HEPA filtration and all those types of things. Um, but it's it's the you know what's uh, you know what's the person next to you doing if they're it's if, if they're sneezing or coughing that those droplets are what the uh, virus is being carried in. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously the hand washing and, uh, you know, don't touch your face. That's kind of the big things they're saying. It's about all you can do at the moment. And uh, I think Apple said you can wipe down your phone with uh, with uh, disinfectant wipes, I think, safely, they said. Um, but I, I don't know if that's a big deal or not. But it's definitely something if other people uh, touch your devices, then you may want to do that. Yeah. And obviously, if you're walking, you know, around and you're touching door handles, knobs and other things uh, that people 
are regularly touching, you know, again, use, um, you know, additional precautions to wipe your hands down or wash your hands down rather, um, at least use hand sanitizer. Um, you know, I guess the good news is that uh, the virus, uh, when it's on a surface, uh, it appears like it's only, uh, you know, stays, um, you know, alive, if you will, for a couple of hours. Um, so, you know, it's not like it's there for, you know, days and days, um, at least in, in certain circumstances. I guess there's always the environments that where this stuff can, you know, harbor. But when it when it gets out there, it dies in a very quick fashion. But uh, it's still, you know, obviously when you get into a place where someone else has been, uh, bring those sanitizing wipes, wipe the stuff down uh, and, and wash those hands. Yeah, that's right. And some of the stuff I heard today is possible that it could survive for a couple of weeks sitting there on a surface. So I don't know. It's it, at certain they temperatures, though, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. In certain environments, they just they don't have a lot of information yet. But it's just gonna have to see how this uh, plays out here. Yeah, of course, neither of us are doctors, so we're not <laughs> <laughs> suggesting any any advice other than just you know wash your hands and you know stay uh, use use more appropriate hygiene than you normally would, whatever that means. <laughs> more appropriate. <laughs> Next up, uh, Sentins, a, a company that specializes in ultrasonic sensors that can replace physical buttons on a phone with virtual ones, has a new universal sensor available that it calls SDS Button Bar. This thin 1.9-inch part can be integrated almost anywhere in a phone design to provide virtual buttons anywhere else on the phone. The button bar is designed with haptics to mimic the feel of physical buttons. Previously, Sentins worked with phone manufacturers to customize this technology for each phone model. The new universal part produced uh, by Foxconn makes the Sentence SDS or software-defined services technology more affordable. Sentence claims price parity with standard physical buttons. Virtual buttons provide an alternative when new trends make physical buttons challenging, such as thinner sides, waterfall displays that wrap around the side of the phone, uh, millimeter wave 5G antennas, and waterproof ratings that demand fewer openings. Fascinating uh, to think about how we're going to potentially be losing even more buttons on our devices. Right, and of course, ultrasonic sensors are slightly different than the the pressure sensors that Apple has used to replace the home button and like the iPhone 7 and the, the subsequent ones thereafter. And of course, kind of the similar technology in the uh, trackpads now. And I, I really actually do like those, you know, uh, new trackpads with the haptic feedback. It sure does feel like a physical click, but it, it's not because you're just using the pressure sensors. So this is kind of the next level where it's just using ultrasonic instead of actual pressure. Do you find um, it to be any less fatiguing or more fatiguing to use the the new trackpad uh, than than you did with, with the previous MacBook? It's a lot easier to use because it doesn't have that physical travel necessary. It's actually, you know, the actual physical travel is, you know, probably a 128th of an inch or less, um, whereas the clicky physical one from the 2013 MacBook, it's hinged and it pivots. So you can only really press down in the lower half of it versus the uh, the force one in the 2015 where you can press it anywhere around its whole perimeter, the edges or anywhere in between. It seems like uh, to your point, it would be much less fatiguing and ultimately it would be easier. And, you know, makes me wonder if we're ever going to see this come to um, a, a laptop that's got a bigger display and that display is uh, being done with sensors versus physical keys. And it, could they create a sensation typing on a keyboard uh, that is you know close enough uh, to the experience that you get when you're typing on a, on a 
you know, on a regular keyboard. You know, the iPad has had something that mimics, uh, you know, key presses for years with the clickiness that you get if you've got the speakers turned on and you're typing on the screen. But of course, that is just an auditory thing. There's no physical sensation that's uh, provided back to your fingers. And so ultimately, it's not really the same at all. But they tried to make it feel like you were typing and you could hear, you know, the clacking uh, noise, if you will, that helped give you that, uh, that, you know, feedback that you were indeed pressing on the keys. Moving on, California won't appeal a U.S. District Court decision allowing the $26.5 billion merger between T-Mobile and Sprint to go through. That according to State Attorney General Xavier Becerra uh, that announced this past week. Uh, They said that the state of California, which was leading the fight to stop the merger, uh, was the last big holdout in getting the merger finalized. Last month, the U.S. District Judge in New York ruled in favor of the deal, which will combine the third and fourth largest wireless uh, carriers in the country. Fourteen state attorneys general led by New York and California had opposed the transaction, arguing that combining the companies would dramatically reduce competition and push up prices. T-Mobile and Sprint argued that combining the companies would allow them to better compete with rivals AT&T and Verizon and pave the way for faster uh, deployment of 5G service throughout the U.S. Now, as part of the terms of the settlement, T-Mobile has agreed to conditions that will help protect low-income customers as well as job protections for local Sprint workers. Becerra said that the framework for the deal in California involved commitments that T-Mobile publicly made in November. These commitments were not part of the deals the company struck with the FCC or DOJ, and they involved promises to help eliminate the homework gap by offering up to $10 billion in free uh, internet access over the next five years and $700 million to provide hardware to 10 million low-income households. The company also said it would offer two low, new low-cost prepaid plans for the next five years. In addition, T-Mobile agreed to ensure the number of T-Mobile employees in the state of California would remain equal to or greater than the total number of the current Sprint and T-Mobile customers for the next three years. And T-Mobile will also open a new call center in the Central Valley of California, creating an anticipated 1,000 jobs. Becerra also said that T-Mobile will reimburse California and other states involved in the settlement for the cost of its investigation into the merger and the litigation. This cost will total about $15 million, uh, he said, and it is important for Californians to know that in their state, the markets for its business, for any consumer business, will be fair. And he also said uh, whether we have to go to court or not and whether we're able to reach a settlement with companies, we will do everything we can to make sure fairness, competition, and good prices prevail. So obviously a very big deal uh, to get the state of California um, off the uh, lawsuit bandwagon, and uh, we'll, we'll certainly be paving the way here for this approval to go through. I would imagine we get an announcement, if not by the end of this month, uh, within the month of April, uh, that this merger has gone through. And from there, we should know quite a bit more about kind of the, the timeline for how the implementation is going to go, things that are going to be changing, meaning probably not much this year, but into the future years with this merger in place. Next up, Verizon purchased Yahoo back in 2017, and it's been working to turn the company around ever since. That plan involves diversifying Yahoo's business strategy, and the latest development of that is Verizon turning Yahoo into a wireless provider under the name Yahoo Mobile. Yahoo Mobile is live now and is basically a repackaging of the visible phone service that includes ad-free Yahoo Mail Pro for free. Normally, that's $3.49 a month. The service works, of course, on Verizon's network and is just one unlimited, no contract plan for $39.99 a month. That includes unlimited talk, text, and data. One other nice aspect is that customers won't see throttling based on a data cap. For the FAQ, it says uh, 
when asked if they slow down the connection based on the data, they said, never. Yahoo Mobile won't slow you down based on your data usage. However, when the network gets congested, your data could slow down for a bit. But this is common for any person on any carrier. The fine print does note that throttling in busy areas can be set uh, at 5 megabits per second. The notes say, in times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Speeds capped at 5 megabits per second and limited to one tethered device at a time. Yahoo Mobile is selling the latest iPhones and Android smartphones as well as allowing customers to sign up and bring their own devices. So what say ye, Joey? Is it time to make the switch from visible over here? Is there anything at all compelling about this offering? No, since I don't use Yahoo Mail, I don't need that extra bump there. So uh, I'll just stick with Visible right now for my uh, tethering needs. So it, it's interesting because it does mention that um, throttling is capped at five megabits per second and one device at a time. Is that what you have as well as just a single device is all that's allowed? E- yes, but I've tested it and it allows more than one device to actually connect to the uh, iPhone's uh, Wi-Fi hotspot. So I'm not exactly sure if they haven't implemented the restriction yet, or they're just trying to um, uh, make sure that that's kind of what they're they want it to, to still to. But I actually connect it to a router, so I kind of get around that, regardless if they enabled that um, uh, that setting or not. Right, because it's just a single IP and everything else is behind yeah. DHCP, and there you go. Next up, device news. Two years ago, supply chain analyst Ming-Chi Ku told investors that Apple was producing high-end over-the-ear headphones with similar features to AirPods. This week, we have our first look at the design of Apple's new headphones before they're actually announced. Two icons representing light and dark versions of Apple's high-end headphones in iOS 14 code. The two icons give us the clearest picture of how high-end over-the-ear Apple headphones will look. The glyphs are used in iOS 14 to represent the unreleased headphones throughout the operating system, including Apple's battery and charging status widget. Based on the two versions of the same glyph, we expect Apple to offer at least two color options for the -the over-the-ear version of the AirPods, likely black or space gray and white. Apple has only offered AirPods and AirPods Pro in white up till this point, and it's possible the light and dark colored glyphs could represent other colors beyond black and white. Apple's Beats headphones use color as a major marketing feature. So, for example, uh, Apple hasn't given the AirPod lines uh, the same treatment, uh, but each glyph also gives us the idea of the size of each headphone and the amount of padding in each cup and band. In terms of the features, we should expect that the -the over-the-ear headphones could adopt many of the same features that the AirPods have. For example, the Apple over-the-ear headphones are expected to automatically pause and resume audio playback when you remove and, uh, and or wear them. Apple has also shared other AirPods features with the various Beats products including Beats Solo Pro. The recently released on-ear headphones include the same chip noise cancellation and audio pass-through transparency mode as the AirPods Pro. Solo Pro headphones are on-ear, however, not over-the-ear, and over-the-ear headphones offer a more organic sound insulation and a greater sonic experience. Beats Solo Pro headphones also lack uh, auto-pause for audio, opting instead for a full-to-power feature. The charging method method for Apple's high-end headphones remains a mystery so far. AirPods rely on a charging case that has its own battery, but Beats Solo Pro headphones charge through a lightning port. A wireless charging stand would be, of course, welcome, but we haven't seen any evidence that one would exist. Apple's high-end over-the-air headphones were originally rumored to be released sometime in 2018, but reports of design issues and initial supply chain reports. Now, despite that uh, missing launch a couple of years back, Minchi Ku advised investors this past January that the -the over-the-air headphones were now expected to ship sometime in 2020. For perspective, Beats currently offers wireless 
over-ear headphones with Beats Studio for $350. They include noise cancellation and the same chip as Apple's original, including um, the Hey support command for transparency. Uh, now, the question is, is it really time uh, for Apple to finally get these things into the wild uh, or have the AirPods Pro taken the wind out of the sails for over-the-ear headphones? Uh, that's a good question. It's always about preference, right? Uh, you know, it's good to provide options for people that don't like earbuds, and a lot of people do not like them. So this is the opportunity to sell another premium, very expensive product, uh, you know, to Apple fans, uh, but also at the same time providing, you know, ultra convenience for pairing with your Apple devices, which, you know, I've got those Beats X, and, uh, you know, the pairing process is is absolutely excellent and they show up automatically on all of your apple devices and you can you know easily switch between which devices you're using and that is uh you know a major convenience i do uh, enjoy the beats x um, and i enjoy the airpods i use both and i use them for very specific things i like the beats x because they are sound isolating and i don't have to listen to extraneous sounds but there are times when i prefer to do that and that's where the airpods come in and so um, both have a place in their life uh, or in my life um, for their very specific uses. And um, I don't know that I really care today all that much about over-the-ear headphones. I would much prefer the convenience of a smaller form factor, and that's where I think the Beats X really makes sense uh, for me and for a lot of people that use them. Right, and I've never found uh, over-the-ear ones very comfortable. I've never really liked them. So for me, I like the earbuds. Yeah, it seemed, I'm kind of with you there. I feel like they're if you get them set properly and you get the right tips on them and uh, they, you know, say block the ear canal appropriately and they can isolate the sound or keep the sound out, uh, definitely, I think, a better experience. Next in that leaked code obtained by 9to5Mac, a corroboration of many details about what we can expect for upcoming hardware refreshes, including a new iPad Pro, iPhone 9, and AirTags. Apple is also developing a new Apple TV remote, as the code indicates. First up, the iPad iPad Pro, according to the iOS 14 code, the upcoming Pro refresh will include a new triple lens camera array like previous supply chain reporting has suggested. The camera setup will include a time-of-flight 3D sensor, a wide-angle lens, an ultra-wide lens, and a telephoto lens. This is a major update from the current iPad Pro, of course. The time-of-flight sensor will likely lend itself to new augmented reality features, and Apple is currently developing a new augmented reality application as well for iOS 14. The Apple allow users to get more information about the world around them via AR. Next up, the iPhone 9 iOS 14 code is including details about this new phone, corroborating past supply chain reporting. iPhone 9 will support Touch ID as well as Express Transit capabilities. Apple is hoping to push iPhone 6 users, which it does, does not feature support for Express Transit, to upgrade to the iPhone 9. The new 9, or SE2, whatever you want to call it, is expected to be released this spring alongside the release of iOS 13.4, barring, of course, many uh, any major delays due to COVID-19. The device will, of course, be supported by iOS 14, hence why details about it are included with the operating system details. Finally, uh, the iOS 14 code offers new details on Apple's upcoming AirTag item trackers. 9to5Mac previously reported that many of the AirTags, including the marketing name, uh, the code indicates that AirTags will be able to set up in bulk through iOS, and then there will be a user-replaceable battery, much like the Tile item trackers. Users of Apple's newest iPhone models will be able to track their AirTags via augmented reality, and AirTags will also be able to play a sound to help users locate them. 
So we've talked about this device for quite a while now because it was, you know, kind of rumored and seen in the, the code last year. But I wonder if it's, you know, part supply chain and also part uh, deliberate waiting on Apple's part to get more of the ultra wideband devices out in the wild to absolutely increase the capability of the, you know, network of devices that can find these these uh, tags. So the more of these newer ones that are out there, the, the better the network of finding uh, your devices will be. So it's actually going to be better for the consumer experience the longer that time goes on. Yeah, and the more more devices they get out there, as you point out. So, um, and that's a very interesting kind of functionality that you don't get with the tile that I think is going to be a major selling point. When this stuff gets announced is still very much up in the air. We assume there would be an announcement uh, soon, sometime this spring that uh, who knows what's happened with that. But, um, you know, we will, uh, I'm sure either they could just release this stuff and, and just roll it out and make it available for sale. I mean, people know what... Uh, you know, the uh, iPad's all about, they know what the phone's all about. So all they really need to see is what the specs are, and then they can make a decision if they want to buy it. Well, there was a rumor that they had an event planned and that it's canceled, but there's still the possibility that they'll do the video stream of, you know, the product announcement that they've probably already have prepared. So uh, I don't know why they wouldn't do something like that, uh, unless supply is a, is a problem at the moment. If an event is already coordinated, but it hasn't been announced, and then it gets canceled, was there ever actually an event? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it's like, did the tree fall in the forest? Anyway, moving on. Uh, in one other device piece of news, Logitech this week launched uh, a new, uh, new 3-in-1 wireless charging dock for the iPhone, AirPods, and Apple Watch. It's $130, and uh, it offers... Uh, a dock for your iPhone, AirPods, and Apple Watch with 7.5 watt fast wireless charging for all three, and it comes available in graphite or white. It's available in the U.S. and Canada at Logitech.com and at Best Buy Canada. In software news, back to that uh, iOS 14 code leak, Apple is set to roll out rich system-wide support for mouse cursors, apparently, in the new software. Apple added rudimentary capabilities with external mice in iOS 13 in the accessibility settings, but iOS 14 and iPadOS 14 will make it mainstream. The iOS 14 build also referenced two new smart keyboard models in development. The changes coming to the software will bring most of the cursor features you recognize from the Mac desktop experience to the iOS. One difference may be that the pointer disappears automatically after a few seconds, if not touching the connected mouse or trackpad, a concession to the first touch-first experience of the iPad. It would reappear when the user attempts to move the cursor again. This includes support for multiple pointers depending on what is being hovered over, like switching from a standard arrow pointer to a pointer hand uh, or hovering when hovering over links. It is also possible these APIs could then automatically translate over to Mac apps using Catalyst, which currently lacks an API for changing mouse cursor types. Apple is also developing support for Mac-like gestures like tap and two fingers to right-click. The presence of a new smart keyboard model would also, and these gestures heavily suggest that a keyboard accessory will feature a standard laptop-like trackpad. A tap-to-click setting is also present, uh, which indicates the trackpad pad will have some sort of depression, possibly with some kind of haptic feedback. There's also two new smart keyboard model and identifiers referenced in the code, su suggesting Apple is preparing to roll out the accessories to multiple models of the iPad. Although uh, there's no additional information on the physical shape of the new accessories, the code findings simply imply standard laptop-like design with keyboard above large trackpad below. 
Well, the two models of the keyboard could just be the large iPad Pro and the normal iPad Pro size, right? Uh, because they would have to be totally you know, different part numbers. It's interesting because if you think about what is out there today from a keyboard perspective, uh, you know, the the it's kind of like really half a keyboard as it is today because of the angles of the screen. Uh, and it might be that Apple has to go back to some sort of origami type of uh, folding on it. Um, I actually really like how the new keyboard functions where it's just literally just open it up and then prop it up into the, you know, the, the crease. You've got the two different viewing angles that you can choose from and it works out pretty well. Uh, it wasn't that the origami style was bad. It just took a little bit of finagling to make it work. But I think I would uh, give up some of that uh, ease of use to get a trackpad for sure. This is something that I've been talking about and wanting for a long time. Uh, the only bummer is that uh, I'm guessing that the key, the keyboard is not going to be available unless you get the new iPad. It's it probably not going to be the same exact you know configuration. Although I don't know, it we'll could, see. It could because they, they had the new design, you know, the new design language with the iPads that just came out in yeah. uh, late 2018. So. Yeah. I don't know, perhaps we'll see. Uh, but either way, it's it's a very interesting um, you know thing. We talked about it last week a little bit, but um, now to to see it come out in this code is I think even more uh, you know evidence that this is actually going to uh, potentially happen. Uh, personally, I, I find again still the the limitations of the operating system. Um, you know, not that uh, not that severe that I wouldn't want to use it all the time, but it's the fact that I can't have it uh, set up in a way that is, you know, docked with a, a keyboard you know, and mouse and display and make it function like a regular desktop, which has got some ergonomic benefits to it than crushing over an iPad for hours and hours on end, which I do at times. And, and ultimately I suffer as a result of doing that. So um, to me, coming up with um, other ways to intera- interact with the operating system are really helpful and uh, would love to see a keyboard where I could then take that on the go and still use that cursor support on the go. Yeah, and it would definitely be nice for how much I use remote desktop connection on the iPad to have the capability of using a mouse other than the Swift Point uh, for that, something that's either more ergonomic or possibly even a touchpad for uh, times where you don't have like a, a mousing surface available. Yeah, I and I'm with you on that. I I like the Swift Point from a uh, you know a practical standpoint where it does what it, it needs to. Um, so it is convenient when you have to do some things where you're uh, doing some I'll say finite pointing and stuff like that. The Apple Pencil generally works okay for that too. But uh, there's just something about being able to drag and click and right click and paste and stuff like that that just it works out better. Uh, so I definitely appreciate um, having it, but would love something that would be much more uh, comfortable to use. I find that to be fatiguing as well when you use it for long periods of time. In other software news, uh, the as reported last weekend, the Apple Watch will gain the ability to detect blood oxygen saturation with the new operating system. This is a critical vital for maintaining heart and brain health. The new feature uh, isn't the only change coming to the Apple Watch. Um, now, based on that leaked code, we learned many more details, including new watch faces, sleep tracking, and parental control features all in development for release later this fall. On the watch faces, uh, as it is now, you can't have a new watchOS version without a new watch face, and watchOS 7 appears to have three main changes. First, 
Uh, you can share your face, the watch face that is. Apple's developing a new feature for sharing watch faces between users where each watch face is treated like a unique file. Based on an early version of the code, users will be able to share specific watch face configurations with others using the share sheet from the watch app in iOS. It's not clear if the watch faces will be shareable directly between watches, uh, but it does appear uh, that there's going to be some sort of sharing available. The feature will also add the existing ability to customize um, or the, the ability to customize existing watch faces with various color styles and complications. Watch face configurations will be shareable as files that can be previewed in the files app and shared with various methods, including airdrop from the iPhone. There is no evidence that watchOS 7 will support third-party watch faces yet, but it's uh, easy to imagine that they could be uh, using this face distribution as the building block for that to happen. Next, Infographic Pro. WatchOS 6 uses two versions of infographic watch faces that were introduced back in 2018 with the Apple Watch Series 4. That's Infograph and Infograph Modular. WatchOS 7 will introduce a new version called Infograph Pro. The key characteristic will be a new element to Apple Watch faces, a tachometer. A tachometer is an analog watch scale located around the dial that is used to measure speed and distance based on travel time. Uh, as explained by 9to5Mac, to use a tach- tachometer equipped watch for measuring speed, the cr- uh, chronograph is started at the starting marker of a known distance. At the next marker, the point on the scale adjacent to the second hand indicates the speed the uh, in distance between markers per hour or tra- of travel between the two. Uh, that typical scale on a watch converts between the number of seconds it takes for the event to happen and the number of times the event will occur in one hour. The new element continues the watch face design approach of borrowing features from analog watch the analog watch world. Uh, then the Apple Watch uh, will then l- allow users to then personally create uh, digital watch faces using images from the Photos app uh, on either the phone or the watch. A third uh, photo source will be available in watchOS 7 as well, which is the shared album. Uh, Apple's Photos app includes this special album type, which allows multiple users to access and contribute to the same shared album. Allowing shared albums as a source enables new ways of creating photos and watch faces. For example, someone could use their shared family album as a watch face that includes photos added by other family members. You could also create a shared album for managing photos on a grandparent or parent's watch face. Next, well, watchOS 7 will be a huge update for parents, an update that gets Apple Watch into kids' hands may be coming as well. Apple appears to be developing the ability to set up and manage Apple Watches for kids using a parent's uh, iPhone. A single iPhone can already activate and pair with multiple Apple Watches, but only one watch can be used at a time, and each watch is tied to the same account as the iPhone. Under this new model, a parent could activate and manage an Apple Watch for a child without requiring a second iPhone. This method would also offer parental controls, including managing trust contacts and available music. School time Apple Watch parental controls go even further in uh, iOS 4 and watchOS 7. A new feature called School Time will allow parents to manage which apps and complications can be used during certain hours like class time. Finally, 2020 appears to be the year of the built-in sleep tracker for the Apple Watch. A timeline uh, Bloomberg reported last February uh, said that Apple was uh, accidentally le- had accidentally leaked its own sleep app for the Apple Watch and 9to5Mac had previously reported how sleep tracking would work in detail including battery life management. More information discovered in this new 
code that was leaked supports the reporting and adding that a user could set a personalized sleep goal in the health app on the phone. The health app could then include recommendations for improving sleep duration and quality. Control Center and Apple Watch and possibly even the iPhone are expected to include new toggles for sleep mode as well as noise detection. WatchOS 7 will change the architecture for Apple Watch apps. WatchOS 6 added the ability to release standalone Apple Watch apps like Geneva Moon through the App Store with no iPhone uh, app companion app required, but apps are still based on the previous extension architecture primarily. Uh, There's also a new watch face, uh, likely digital, identified as international, which, as the name suggests, will show flags from different countries. We don't yet have the details on the complications for this watch face, but you can take uh, some liberties on the images that were extracted from the code to imagine how it will appear. So uh, for me, there's uh, some interesting things in here. Primarily, I've got kids, so I'm interested in, you know, could we get some, I'll say, cheaper or, you know, older generation watches and have the kids use those for communication? Uh, Would uh, much rather have that uh, as the communication piece than a phone. Uh, Phones, especially with kids when they get them younger and younger, just become distractions. Um, Was putting my son to bed earlier tonight, and I thought he was in the shower, and he was just sitting there scrolling through a Spotify playlist for 10 minutes with the water running, and I was like... What are we doing here? But anyway, um, it it seems like they're just so distracted uh, with the screens. And so while a watch would certainly be something that could distract, meaning that it's on your wrist all the time, if the things that you can do on it are not overly interesting, it's it's potentially not going to be as big of a deal. Uh, From a tracking perspective, it's great because it's either on the wrist or it's not. You could, I'm guessing, uh, figure out how to uh, be notified if the watch you know is removed from the wrist. Obviously, the the battery life that we've seen on the watches with uh, just the cellular connection have been a little bit limited, but perhaps uh, there are things that uh, they're going to be putting in place like more um, proactive you know, connections to public Wi-Fi networks and that sort of thing that would allow it to spend a little bit less time just on a cellular connection. Uh, but uh, ultimately, it seems like that makes a lot of sense. And I'm, 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 frankly, I'm kind of excited about that piece of it. Yeah, there's a lot of good things here. And, and just like last year, you know, watch OS is kind of the latest kid on the block here for Apple. So they do focus quite a bit of time on, uh, you know, showcasing and highlighting uh, what the Apple Watch improvements are, are you know, in, in the year that they're uh, presenting them. And it does drive people to, you know, buy Apple Watches. I see them more and more and more now. Like, uh, you know, before it was, you'd see them every once in a while, but they're getting to be a very, very common and also, of course, it helps drive iPhone sales, uh, just what they want. So it's, you know, it is kind of a hand-in-hand symbiotic relationship. And, you know, the other piece of that is if you are somebody who has used a watch for the watch for a while, you know just how far this thing has come. When it first came out, it was, um, you know, basically just a, a notification extension. And also you could do some things with it uh, on Wi-Fi. But now that we've got Sailor built in, um, it, it's something that uh, I actually use. I'll, I'll leave my phone behind to go for a walk, and um, I don't even think about it. And it works out quite well. Stream some some podcasts and, and still get messages as they come in and not have to really worry about anything, and, and it's all there. So it, it works out quite well. Um, I also look to, you know, what the, the, the new features that are coming here, and obviously the, the new watch faces and, you know, shared albums and photos, is, is it's okay, but it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. But the sleep tracking is super interesting. I'm not somebody who sleeps with my watch on. Um, It is uh, about nine o'clock. I I got up pretty early this morning. I was uh, probably 5 a.m. So I've been up for, call it, what is that, 16 hours. And um, 
It's uh, at 56%. And 56 is seems a little bit low, but also it's been 16 hours. And for those that have older watches or the watch, uh, the Series 5 that keeps the display on all the time, that's actually a pretty respectable number. Uh, so it could easily make it through the night for me, and I could just throw it on the charger for a little bit of time, and it would be okay. And I think what it will what it mean is, because I would love to know how my sleep uh, is going and, and also know where I need to work on it, uh, I, I would have to figure out a charging habit, and I think that would be probably okay. You take it off in the morning when you wake up or whenever it is. And uh, when you're taking a shower and you throw it on the, you know, the charger for 30 minutes and you're good to go. You don't necessarily get it all the way charged up all the time, but that doesn't really matter either. So um, it's, if you've got some capacity left in your battery and you can throw it on the charger for a little bit every day, you're going to be generally okay. And would love to be able to figure that one out. And I know you are somebody who keeps your watch on pretty much all the time, except when you put it on the charger, uh, I'm guessing you would find this to be interesting as well, too. Absolutely. And I think, you know, with the the feature you mentioned earlier, where they're going to be enabling the pulse oximeter hardware that's been uh, supposedly on the watch since Series Zero, but they've never used it. So uh, if they activate that and, and if it still exists in the current generation devices, that would be uh, a very good thing to tie in with the sleep tracking, because I believe that can somewhat diagnose or somewhat help with showing if you have sleep apnea or not because your blood oxygen level would kind of drop below that uh, you know whatever 95 percent level that's typically you want to have over uh for your uh for your saturation of oxygen yeah i i find it fascinating all the different things that we can now do with the watch compared to what we had just you know, a couple of years ago when this thing first came out, it was only five years ago if you think about it. So um, it's uh, it's come a long way. Very very exciting stuff. Uh, and finally, today digging in just a bit further into the software, Apple developing a new interface for the iOS home screen in iOS 14. It'll include a new page that allows users to see all of their applications uh, in a list view. Currently, you can only view iOS apps through their home screen icons and through search. <clears throat> and this new page will include a list of all application icons, making it easier for users to see all of their installed apps at one place. Furthermore, the list view will include several different sorting options and other details. So for instance, you'll be able to filter applications such as seeing all apps that currently have unread notifications. Uh, there will also be some support for filtering apps that are being have been recently used, giving you better awareness of the apps that you use most and least often. Finally, the new list view will include smart suggestions powered by Siri to suggest which applications you might be searching for based on the time of day and location. So for instance, it might recommend that you open the music app when you arrive at the gym. The changes seem designed to make it easier for users to find apps that they might have misplaced on their home screen. It's also similar to the list view option that exists, of course, in watchOS. In fact, I love the list view in watchOS. I, that's the first thing I do is I change the watch over to that uh, as soon as I get it. Yeah, I haven't done that. I'm still just used to the, the whatever that uh, launcher screen, the typical one is. But I think on the phone, I would definitely probably use the list view and, and also the iPad because uh, I do use quite a few different apps and why not have them all in one spot where it's quicker to launch them instead of having to search for the ones that are buried in folders and uh, it would just be quicker. Why, why not? Yeah, the, the, the single reason that, that I do the list, number one, because I, I can't really tell what the icons are, but you've got alarms, stopwatch, and timers. And for anyone that's got an Apple Watch, if you can look at your watch and tell the difference between alarms, stopwatch, and timer, uh, and open the right one the first time every time, 
you are a much smarter person than me because they are all the same color and they have icons that if you study them, you can kind of figure it out, right? There's an alarm clock on it and that makes sense. But the stopwatch and the timer, I have no clue. I, I never get those right. And I inevitably launch one and then like, nope, that's not the right one. Then I launch the other one and I'll, I'll finally get it. So, so having that list and having uh, the word next to it that says alarm is generally very helpful for me. And how I keep track of that on the, the, the icon view is that I put the stopwatch farther away from the time. So the one, the apps I use the most are right along the, in the center, right next to the main clock. So I know the timer is the one that's next to the clock because I never use the stopwatch. So that's how I keep track of that problem. Oh, that that sounds like a actually a really good plan, a nice way to do it. So um, anyway, yeah, to your point, nice to kind of nice ads here, obviously not really functionally changing anything, but a different way to sort and find information about uh, all the uh, all the apps that you have and, and hopefully get better use out of your mobile device. That's the I guess the whole point with all these software iterations and changes. Well, no questions or comments this week, uh, but we'd love to hear from you if you have anything for us. Give us a call, 650-999-0524, or send us an email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com, and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.